Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Praise the Lord. Well, let me get into the word. What I want to share with you for just a few minutes this morning. The message is very simple. It's simply called Four Men. Four Men. Uh, that's not an unusual topic for me. Uh, I spent 32 years as a senior pastor, many years in Richmond, Virginia, and then I finished up my pastoral work in Sacramento, California. I, uh, I know what it is to be in that senior lead role. But for the last 11 years, God has honored me to serve the great church that I'm a part of. And, and I'm not just talking about the Pentecost Holiness Church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Put, God has put me in a very uh, uh, wonderful place, and I'm so thankful. Pastor Joaquin is so correct. Uh, this just didn't happen. This was a time I, uh, I paid the price. I, uh, I know all the stories. I've been through it all when it comes to being a senior pastor. I started in that first church in 1971 of 16 Members, 15 women, one man, average age, 75 years old. I know all about that. But we today are in a time that manhood is being assaulted. Manhood is under attack. The recent rulings of the Supreme Court concerning same-sex marriage concerning same-gender relationships, you know, that's what they're wanting to draw our attention to. But I want to tell you that what the Supreme Court did with that ruling was not just simply ruling about a same-gender relationship, but it is an assault on manhood. And that's why it is, it is critical, it is crucial it is so important that pulpits today sound the alarm and sound the trumpet. The right authority must be put in place in a proper way that God ordained and instituted in the beginning as recorded in the book of Genesis. God's rules have not changed. God's law has not changed. God's foundation has not changed. Man has rules. And that's all they are. God gives us truth, and we must rise up as never before. Manhood is under assault, and we cannot stand by and just allow that to be assaulted, whether it be from the government or the devil or the pits of hell. In the book of Mark, the second chapter, just want to begin reading with verse 1 and again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Did you hear that? He was in the house. I want to say to you this morning that he's in the house. Amen. Praise God. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Everybody say four men. 
four men. He was being carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Praise the Lord. The story of Mark 2 is um, very familiar. It's not anything new that you haven't read or heard before. As it is with most stories, whether you read in this, the Bible or the, the story in a good book, stories have movements. And in this particular story, we see four movements. There's first of all in the story the movement of the main character. And we understand that the main character is a man who is paralyzed. A man who has a disease that is called palsy. Which is an attack on the nervous system and the, the mobility system of the human body. There's also the supporting cast. We understand the scripture is very clear that says that there were four men. They're the supporting cast. As it is with uh, a good story, there's always the critic. There's always the one who critiques. So we also have in this story the critics, the one who were reasoning in their hearts when Jesus was forgiven this man of his sins. Jesus sensed what was going on in their hearts, and he looked at them and said, Oh, that you may know that the Son of Man not only hath power on earth to forgive sins, let me show you this, told the man to rise up and walk. And the man was healed immediately and supernaturally by the power of God. And then the fourth movement or the fourth section of the story are those who are the onlookers. That's the audience, those who were amazed by what their eyes were seeing as this man received his miracle. The part of the story that I want us to focus on for a few minutes this morning is that here is a man who, unless these four men were willing to give of their time and to be compassionate toward him. He was probably going to stay in that condition for the rest of his life. And most likely would have died because of the disease that he had in his body. But there were four men. Praise the Lord. Four men. That's what the Bible says. This man was carried to Jesus on a bed. And it was the four men who took some time to carry this man to the Lord, and he was healed, and he was forgiven of his sins. So look with me for just a few minutes at these guys, these four men. You know, when I read this story, and I've read it many times, I've taught it in Bible college, uh, uh, you know, I usually have the same feelings that rise within me when I read the story about these four men. 
And it causes me to have the reaction that just simply goes this way. I don't know. In other words, who were these four men? I don't know. What was their occupation? I don't know. Where were they from? I don't know. What were their names? I don't know. How old were they? I don't know. I mean, the scripture just says there were four men. The only thing that we know is the number. Don't know anything else about them as far as it being recorded in the story. As far as it being written in the scripture. The Bible just simply says four men picked this man up. They carried him to the house where Jesus was teaching and preaching. They could not get the man through the front door because the crowds were pressing. These men went up on the roof. The Bible teaches that they cut a hole in the roof. They lowered the man down where Jesus was and the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now that's the story, church. That's the story. But there's something about these four men that speaks volumes. There's so much we don't know about them as far as the written story is given to us. But yet, in the spirit, and in the spirit of the story, and what we can understand about these men, there are things that I can tell you about these four men this morning that are not given to us in written form. What I'm learning from these four men is what men need to be. See, the first thing that I notice about these men, although the story doesn't tell us that these men were visionaries. They were men of vision. Now, in the book of Proverbs, the Scripture teaches us that without a vision, people will perish. People will be destroyed. People will be destroyed and cut off because of a lack of knowledge. Without a vision, people will perish. But I want to say to you this morning that without a vision, men will perish. This is a little different for me this morning to be in a mixed a mixed audience. I normally am just hanging out with men. 
discipling men, preaching and teaching to men. I'm, a, I'm so honored for the ladies, the wives, the grandmothers, the mothers, the daughters, the aunts who are here today. I want you to hear this teaching this morning about these four men because I'm convinced that this is what men must be today. Without a vision, men will perish. These four men were men of vision. They could see something. Oh, man, I hope I can get this out. I mean, God's in this place today. These men could see that this man did not need to stay in this condition. They could see that there was a better day ahead for this man who was paralyzed. They were men of vision. I'm challenging men all around the world that we need to be a visionary. We need to be men of vision. We need to be able to be a visionary for ourselves. To realize that God has great things in store for us as men. We need to be visionaries for our marriage. We need to be visionaries for our homes. We need to be visionary for our children. We need to be visionary for our grandchildren. Because we can see God has something better for us. God has something in store for each of us because we are men of vision. I was so blessed this morning to see the Molina family parade the stage. I would love to parade my family before you. To bring up my son Rodney, his wife Breck, his two daughters Elena and Emily, who were both adopted Hispanic children, who were both adopted at birth, one in Madera, California, one in Sacramento, California. They have turned now 13 and 9 years of age. Two beautiful daughters. Emily is spending the next four weeks with her uncle on his ranch in California because she loves horses. Elena likes to stay close to home, so I told her about a month ago when Emily said, Papa, Papi, I'm going to California and I need to get, I need to have a little money. And I said, okay. So we blessed her with some money to have spending money while she was gone. Just didn't give it to her. She worked for it. She come to our house and she did things to earn the money. But she's got spending money for the next four weeks that she's in California. I could tell that Lainey was a little sad. So I said, Lainey, I know you like to go to hotels. So when Emily goes to California, Poppy will give you two, will give you two nights at any hotel you want to stay at. So Emily went to California, this is about a month ago, you know, and Emily, Lainey went to Mimi and said, Mimi, you know, Poppy said I could have two nights hotel. <laughs> you know, she didn't forget. So this weekend, my wife and, 
and Elena are spending the weekend at a hotel that I set up for them uh, this, this weekend. I would love to parade my oldest son, Greg, and his wife, Holly, and my oldest granddaughter, Grace, and the middle child, Annie, and my only grandson, Adam Gregory Terry, and our adopted daughter, granddaughter from Russia, who just recently married. And uh, God has blessed us with a beautiful, beautiful family. And I see as a father, I had a vision for my sons. I want you to know I have a vision for my granddaughter. My oldest granddaughter will leave next week to do missions work in Ecuador. I'm so excited about the hand of God that is upon them. I want to tell you, Joaquin, one day you will become a grandfather. And I want to tell you that nothing will bless you anymore than to be in church. Glory to God. And to be standing there and see your granddaughters and your grandchildren raise their hands and praise God. I want to tell you, there's nothing that will bless a father, a grandfather more than seeing your grandchildren serve the Lord. A part of my vision for my family is that my, my boys, they never gave their mom and I a problem. We set our boys down when they were small and we gave them our vision for their lives. We wanted them to serve the Lord. We wanted them to play a musical instrument and we wanted them to graduate from college. All three things were met by those boys they satisfied us but I want you to know that these boys fell in love with Jesus Christ when they were small children and that love is still powerful today they never tested the world they never tasted the world they never turned from righteousness to unrighteousness they have served the Lord faithfully all these years now 40 and 43 years respectively they never gave their mom and dad one moment's trouble because they honored their parents and they honored their father because why? We set a vision. We set a vision for them and they've never disappointed us. My oldest son Greg just returned from East Africa where he spent two and a half weeks ministering to the tribal people. He went into the bush for three days. And stayed in the bush without any conveniences. He told me, he says, Dad, the first time I went three days without a shower. So happy when he got out of the bush to get to a shower. He said he just stood under the shower and just let the hot water come down and wash the dirt off. He put it all over Facebook. He was showing us what was going on there is Jesus Christ was transforming tribal people in the bush of East Africa. My oldest son is my ministry son. My youngest son, he's the man of God that every pastor would like to have in his church. And he just serves his local church faithfully, serves his pastor, loves his pastor, holds his pastor up. And they both just have beautiful families. I have a vision that none of my grandchildren will ever walk in the world.
They will never want to do anything but serve Jesus Christ, be a part of the church, be a part of the kingdom because that's the vision. I want to tell you men, we need to be men of vision and we should have a vision for our families, a vision for our marriage. My wife and I have just celebrated 44 years of marriage. Glory to God. Now, I know, amen, let me qualify this. Now, I know I don't look that old, and I want to tell you I really appreciate the compliment, whether you're thinking that way or not. It don't make no difference to me. But I want to tell you, 44 years of marriage, 44 years with the same woman, 44 years of a woman that I've carried all over the United States. And when I would go and say, babe, I believe this is what God wants us to do. She never questioned it. She never questioned it. She says, if God is speaking to you, I married you to support you, to love you, to care for you. Let's go and do what God is calling us to do. And I've taken her. God has allowed us over 45 years now, 44 years of marriage, but 45 years of ministry. God has allowed us to impact three major cities in America. Started out of Richmond, Virginia, where I served as a senior pastor for so many years. Then the Lord allowed us to go to Sacramento, California for 11 years. And now we've been in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, for 11 years. I want to tell you, God is awesome. God is good. These men were men of vision. And I want to say to the men of this house today, you must be a man of vision. Not just a vision that without a vision people will perish. You must have a vision for your home, for your marriage, for your children, and for your grandchildren. That it not perish. That it not be destroyed. That it not crumble. Men of vision. The second thing I can tell you about these men is not only were they men of vision, but they were men of faith. Now, there's something interesting in this story. Did you pick up on it when I read it? When the man was lowered down to the house where Jesus was teaching, the word says, because of their faith. Did you catch that? Not the paralytic's faith. But because of their faith, the four men. Jesus looked at the man and said, Son, your sins are Forgiven you. These men were not only men of vision. They were men of faith. They were men who had a belief system. That if they would carry this man to Jesus. That something good would happen. The faith that they had was not just so much a saving faith, 
But it was a faith that incorporated a persistence. You can see it in the flow of the story. The Bible says they picked the man up and they carried him to the house where Jesus was. When they got there, the lines were long. The house was filled to capacity. And the lines outside the house, there was no way to penetrate the crowd and get that man to Jesus Christ. But their faith had a persistence to it. They said, okay, we can't go through the front door. We'll find another way to get this man to Jesus. The Bible teaches that they went up on the roof of the house. Now understand that in those days, you know, roofs were not like they are today. You know, with uh, the tile that we use or the, or the uh, shingles that we use or whatever type of roof. It was a chore to get a hole in the roof of that house. I mean, they had to probably dig through debris. They had to dig through mud. They had to dig through anything they could use to build a, a sun-dried roof that would keep the elements from penetrating the home during rain or during inclement weather. These men were not going to be denied. These men had a faith that says, look, we can't get him in the front door. We're going to find another way. Took him up on the roof, put a hole in the roof, and lowered the man down where Jesus was. Now, let me show you something else about their faith. Their faith was not only a believing faith and a persistent faith, but it was also a faith that would not allow criticism or would not allow even if someone would make fun of what they were doing. Now think about this. All of a sudden, we're in the house. And Jesus is teaching. And some debris starts sprinkling down. You know, falling on the people. We're dusting our shoulders off. I mean, and all of a sudden the sun comes through because the light. And here comes a man on a bed coming down, hanging in air like a piñata. I mean, think about the risk of these men doing such a maybe absurd thing. They're going to be the laughing stock of the community. These guys cutting a hole in the roof and lowering that paralytic down where Jesus was. They were not afraid of what may happen. The laughing or the criticism from the community. No. They believed that if they could get this man to Jesus, Jesus would do something in his life. And when they lowered the man down, 
where Jesus was, the Bible says, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. I want to say to the men of the house today that not only must we be men of vision. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a vision. Some of you today may be struggling, maybe in your marriage, or you may be struggling even with your kids. First thing I want to know is, do you have a vision? What's your vision for your children? What's your vision for your marriage. You know, we've got to have vision. A vision. But we also have to have faith. A faith that God will take care of every situation that we're confronted with. You know, the Lord honored me. <coughs> Both of my boys came to Christ through their dad's leadership. Dads, listen to me. The greatest, the greatest thing that I can tell you as a father today is that I led my boys to Jesus. <laughs> I led my boys to Jesus. And now I'm watching my sons lead their children to Jesus. I mean, it would have been great to have had a preacher in the house who would have touched the hearts of my boys and by, me, by way of imitation, they would come to the altar and they accept Christ as their Savior. Been okay. But it's not the way I wanted it. I wanted to have that honor as the leader of my home. That if my boys were going to find Jesus, and they were going to accept Jesus as their Savior, I wanted that privilege to lead them. And I taught them, you lead your children to Christ. Men of vision. But we've got to also be men of faith. We have to stand in the gap many times. Now today... In the family, we are facing much more warfare and devils and demons than we ever have as a family. I remember when our boys were coming up. This has been a long time ago. Our youngest boy is 40. Our oldest son's 43. But I remember when they were in 
middle school, go, getting ready to go into, it was a different structure then. You'd go into junior high, then you'd go into high. And it was at that time that they started introducing through the public school system uh, the beginning of sex education. Just nothing like it is today. It was just the embryo state of what would come down the road, down the road for sex education. And I want to tell you, I stood my ground. I said, I don't need a system to teach my boys about sex. That's my job. I don't need a system to teach my boys about what you do. All that does is teach a young man what not to do. And that's why we have so much spousal abuse and young people drugging together, sleeping together, sexing together, texting together, sexting together. Do you see where we've come to today? Men of faith take a stand. And you take a stand for righteousness. And you take a stand for what's right. Who were these men? Far story go, I don't know. But I can tell you this. They were men of vision. And they were men of faith. Would you stand with me, please? Praise God. Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm. Was this okay today? You know, just, amen. You know, uh, I've been here before. First time I came, I was an outsider just trying to. But I've been here enough now that I have the permission and respect of your pastor. I'm going to ask every man in this house. I want to close this. I know we've got to break here in a minute and get ready for the next service. I want every man in this house to come and stand with me, please. Every man in this house. Praise the Lord. Mm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on in closer, guys, because we've got so many men here today. Glory to God. Amen. Come on in closer. Those in the aisle can stretch in. Go to the wings, whatever you need to do. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Now, gentlemen, I don't want to really get into what I'm going to teach you tomorrow night. I'm honored that I will be here for the weekend, and I'll be back tomorrow night and be a part of your Monday night men's service. God has laid something on my heart to speak into your life this weekend. 
so I don't really want to go too far because I'll get into tomorrow night. I want to challenge every one of you. I want to see every one of you. Bring somebody with you. Just want to see you because I'm not just coming to teach a Bible verse. I'm coming to speak something into your life that, that can be transformational. Transformational. How many men standing here at the front are married? Raise your hand. Hmm. You can put them down. How many are not married? Hmm. I want to say, in fact, you that are not married, raise your hand. Just hold it up. Hmm. I want to say that the teaching that I presented this morning is more for you. It's more for you. I pray. There are a lot of guys today that will say, oh, if I could have had that, maybe I wouldn't have screwed up like I did. Maybe my marriage, maybe I wouldn't be in my fourth marriage. Maybe I wouldn't not have a relationship with my children. Maybe I said, oh, hold up. See, Jesus is the beginning. I tell men that feel, you know, that maybe they have failed. Maybe they just got, look, Jesus grants you a new beginning in him. But you men that are here that are not married, I want to take, mm, oh, hallelujah. Mm. I hear the word of the Lord saying to walk in righteousness. Do not waver to the right. Do not waver to the left. Do not feel that you have to be a part of the in crowd. The Lord says, I have placed my hand upon you. And I have placed my calling upon your life. I am calling you to be men who will champion faith and who will make it a difference, saith the Lord. The Lord says, I will provide for you. The Lord says to seek me with all of your heart regarding your mate. The Lord says, I will provide for you. The provision that you need is in my house, saith the Lord. The Lord says to walk faithfully before him. The Lord says to be courageous. And to be strong. The Lord says do not be afraid. Of the opinion. Of other men. The Lord says. Let your thoughts. Let your minds. Rest in my presence. And in my word. I will direct. Your steps. I have ordered your life. The Lord says it's already in place. 
you follow me. And the Lord says, I will do for you all things that you will be the man I created you and destined you to be. Say it for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I bless these young men today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the word of God today, Lord, that we've been given the privilege and the honor to speak into their lives. I ask you to seal the word in their hearts. Mm. God, make us. Let us become all that you intend us to be. In the name of Jesus. Now to every man that is standing before me. I've challenged you today through the word of God. And through experience of a 45 year veteran. Have I always got it all right? No. But I've never recanted. And I've never given thought to doing anything different. I've never thought about not being married to the woman that I'm married to. I've never thought that maybe I could make more money outside the ministry. Or maybe I could have a better life outside the ministry. No. God laid his hand on me when I was 17 years old. I'd never stepped in church in my life. And a friend brought me to Jesus. And I stepped into church at 17 years of age. And I just turned 64. And I've never stepped out. Never stepped out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I challenge every man. Every man. To be a man of vision. To be a man of faith. That's what manhood needs in the United States of America and around the world today. We need men of vision and men of faith. You need it. Your wife needs it. Your marriage needs it. Your home needs it. Your children need it. And your grandchildren need it. That's who we need to be. Who were these four men? Really don't know. Don't know a whole lot about them. But there's two things I can tell you. They were men of vision. And they were men of faith. And I leave you with this challenge in this first service. Men, be a man of vision. And be a man of faith. Amen. Amen. Raise your hands. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the faithful and true witness, the Amen. I bless you. I issue the challenge in this critical hour that we are living. I challenge the men of this house 
Because so much depends upon it to be a man of vision and to be a man of faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Love you, man. Praise God. Praise God. Mm. Thank you, sir. I had a bottle of water or something. Amen. I want to challenge you guys tomorrow at 8 o'clock at night from 8 to 9, the men's meeting, for all the men to be here, to bring a friend, to bring a family member, a son, bring your father if you can, bring your uncle. And let's fill up this place tomorrow as uh, Dr. Bill Terry will be ministering to us tomorrow. He uh, travels the world. Um, he meets with 100,000 men. Um, mainly pastors doing leadership conferences. We just went to Oklahoma City uh, about two months ago, and we met with uh, bishops. That uh, There were at least four bishops there, each bishop seeing over 20 churches in the area uh, of the Middle East. I mean, the Midwest, sorry, not the Middle East, the Midwest. Um, and it was powerful time of ministry. Uh, it was powerful time of calling these men uh, to be leaders. Um, I want to read this one verse. The Lord continues to tug on my heart because uh, there's going to be some troubled times coming here now in the near future. In Ecclesiastes 12.1, um, the fundamentals of what will hold our lives together, our marriages, our walk in the Lord, is what we set now. A lot of people want to run last minute and, and be a part of something last minute. No, now is when you're to remember your creator in your younger days, in the days of your youth. In the last three weeks, I've seen the devastation of men who have acted like they could do whatever they want and then they inherit blessing and prosperity in their latter days. No, they, they weren't attending to the stuff up front. What he's talking about being a man of vision, uh, faith opens up your eyes. And you have to cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, let me see what these guys are talking about because I don't see it. And, and then your eyes will open up to understand why it was better to uh, pursue a walk with the Lord than it would be a walk in this world. A lot of men are, are seeking riches rather than uh, the will of God. We're in this world to do the will of the Father. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, your young days, before, before difficult days come. And there's nothing worse than seeing a man scramble and fret and fear because the foundation has not been laid. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It says like in the days of Noah. Noah was getting prepared for the coming of the flood. A lot of people were not. And so at the last minute when the flood was coming, they wanted to scramble. It was too late. Before the difficult days come, faith and uh, being able to walk in a manner of a vision and, and, and looking at these things from God's vantage point is a lot more beneficial than the ways of this world. There's people that govern their lives by what they read in the newspaper and look at political reviews and governments. That's not what's going to hold you in the last days. What's going to hold you is being close to God. Being close to God. Let your family find its refuge in the Lord. Difficult days come and years draw near. When you say, nothing I'm doing is really satisfying. 
There's no pleasure in what I'm doing. Um, and so that's what we're pursuing. That's what we're pursuing. The way Jesus did it in John 8, 29, he says he, the Father is always with him. Look at this verse here in John 8, 29. He says, he who sent me is with me. The God who put us in this earth is with us. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please him. If you're walking in selfishness, you're pleasing yourself. You're doing what you want, when you want, how you want. But when you're pleasing the Father, you're denying yourself. You're saying, not my will, thine be done. And that is preparation for the last days. That is preparation for a marriage that will withstand in the coming times. Father, thank you for what you've done today in the hearts of Spring of Life Fellowship, the hearts of our family and friends and guests that visit, oh God. We pray, Father God, that your work would continue to be established in our hearts, in our families, in our marriages, in the vision of this church to change the world, in the provisions of the resources of what is a man. Allow us to be faithful stewards of that which you have deposited into our hands, Lord, that we might be able to honor you and do those things that please you all the days of our life. And surely goodness and mercy will follow us as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever, O oh God. We give you thanks for Dr. Bill Terry and his ministry to men. We give you thanks that he's raising up real men for tough times. Men that are steadfast. Men that could uh, say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And let us take this word that we have received today, Lord, to be part of those men, not thinking of ourselves, but bringing other men to Jesus, other men to healing and deliverance and salvation. Let, us be, let that be our passion as that is your passion. And we no longer live for ourselves. We live for you, O oh God. We live for your glory, for your honor, uh, seeking first the kingdom of God, its righteousness, that when you come, Lord, we will be ready, blameless, without reproach, men who rightly divide the word of truth, O oh God. We give you thanks for the families represented in this church, O oh God. We pray for prosperity, peace, and protection, O oh God. The blood of Jesus be on us all for safety in these last perilous and dangerous times, Lord. We celebrate Christ, not only today, Sunday, but every day of our life, Lord. We give you thanks for what you have done in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, Amen.